Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz, episode one, part two. The conversation continues with a group of Brandeis students every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m., streamed on Facebook Live and later posted on our website, anewcombo.com. Go check it out and see how this conversation evolves and continues. Let me ask you sort of a, a hypothetical science fiction question, okay? Imagine if today, when this conversation is over, at this moment right now, the institution of Judaism disappeared. That means we'd remain Jewish, we have our Jewish history, we'd have everything around us that we know as Jews, but Judaism would disappear, Shabbat would disappear, uh, Kashrut would disappear, uh, the teachings of the Torah would disappear uh, in the present. It existed in the past, and it influenced what brought us here, but now it would just it would stop. Would you be missing anything? Yeah. I'd miss the grappling that I, I, I had to do. The grappling. The, 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 the conflict, the struggle that I had. I'd miss that. Why? What about it is attractive? There's just... There's something about me being connected to a, a heritage and, and a, a, a history and me wanting to be playing an active role. So, like, whatever things that are said in the Torah that I, I struggle with... Like, how can I make it work, and how can I keep that a part of who I am, while also, yeah, but me struggling with it is me is me being a part of it. I, I, I don't, if that was all taken away, a lot of this would be empty. So you, you enjoy the fight. I love the fight, yeah. <laughs> I, str- I mean, in a positive way. Yeah, the struggle is, is the, what, part of what makes it relevant, yeah. It's the pulse. Yeah. It's the pulse. It's the, the, the give and the take yeah. of, of of it all, and that and that stimulates your your life. And if that were to disappear, that struggle would disappear, and that pulse that stimulates you uh, would disappear as well. In other words, that, that pulse that that stimulates you to growth yeah. uh, would disappear as well. Yeah, and that's really important. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to ask you a personal question. Um, but it speaks to sort of something larger. Um, are you committed to marrying Jewish? All right. So I, I struggle with this question a lot because I think that if I started to think about it logically and rationally, the answer would probably be no. There's no logical reason, really. Like, I've heard the ones that, like, marry Jewish because only a Jewish person can understand a Jewish person's experiences but what if, you know, there there are plenty of Jews out there that marry non-Jewish and have happy marriages. So that argument doesn't really work. Um, there are many Jews who marry Jews exactly, and, and have if, unhappy marriages. Exactly. Okay. Um, so if I thought about it rationally and logically, I, I would probably find that I would be okay with marrying non-Jewish. So I don't let myself go down that path of, mm. of like, trying to deeply like rationalize that which is weird I think that's like one of the only things that I know that if I go down that path I will emerge be willing to and I for a host of reasons I'm not okay with that so I'm kind of letting myself stay in this bubble of 
being okay with the fact that I will only marry Jewish. That's a very honest answer. What you're basically saying is, I am committed to only marrying Jewish, but if you push me on it, or if I push myself on it, I actually don't think it's uh, the wisest choice. Yeah, I, I don't think that that should be a factor of, of my choices for marriage. Mm-hmm. Objectively, if you think about it, there's mm-hmm. no reason. So that's why I'm kind of like telling myself to stay in that like aquarium of... So why are you telling yourself to stay in that? What's in that what is in that aquarium that is more valuable than uh, the objective uh, understanding of, of marriage and a spouse and the life that you want to live? There's a lot of reasons. I think family plays a big role into it. I know that I would cut off my whole immediate family and part of my extended family with that if I ever did that. I, but I also think in terms of that's always been the symbolic way of someone leaving the Jewish community and like never coming back. That, that's what it's always been um, for the longest of times. And if I did that, then in, in even if I was like deeply committed to the well-being of the Jewish people, there's still something that like you've left. And, and I, I just can't bring myself to do that. Because it's such an important part of... Jewish identity. It's how Jews have always like been like, oh, you're married. That's it. You've gone. You've left the fold. And you want to stay in the fold. I want to stay in the fold. I want to, I, w- I want to be able to... Yeah, I, w- I want to be a part of it. And I know that that's... You want to be a part of it because of what it offers insofar as the past that it brings along with it? Or do you want to be a part of it because of what it offers insofar as what it's going to do in the future? I think both. You use like what we've figured out in the past and the stories of the past to kind of forge a future. What type of future do you want to see? I struggle with that question because I, I, if you asked me a couple months ago, I would say, um, oh, like the you know the Jews being like like light upon to the nations, not like in a cheesy way, but like what are we doing in, in the state of Israel that like that we're being leaders in terms of morality, that we're being leaders in terms of, I don't know, like ha- how to live of innovation and all that. And now I'm kind of shifting on that because I'm like, why am I demanding this sort of Jewish exceptionalism? Like why, like why do we have to be like the, like, I don't know, everyone should figure out their own morality. So I'm not sure how I see the future, but I, I don't know what greater philosophical way I see of seeing the future, but in terms of, I don't know, I, I, want to, I, I can't explain exactly what the future looks like, but definitely better than what it is now. And you, 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 you've shifted your description of the future to Israel. In other words, you, are you saying that the future of, of Judaism, of the Jewish people, must go through Israel? I think the long-term. Yeah. Yeah, the long-term history, like the long-term story of the Jewish people will continue in Israel. I, 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 don't, I don't see America as being a sustainable model for Jewish peoplehood as a, as a whole large. Because? Demographics plays a big part into it, like intermarriage rates, all that. Like, so that, that already like takes away like a huge chunk of the existing Jewish population. Um, but, but the trend for the past couple of decades has been that the population in Israel has been growing, has been thriving, and all other, the, the diaspora communities have kind of been shrinking. And there, there will always will probably be like a small amount, 
but the, but the trend has been that that's where the, the congregation of the people are, and and that's where. Well, I think, that's a numbers. That's a numbers. That's game. a numbers game. But but I, I think if you truly want to experience, I don't know, the culture and ex- truly experience yourself as a Jewish person, you you can only not only, but it's very easy to do that in Israel. So you say it speaks to what you said earlier about that, uh, what you had in your personal experience that before going to your year in Israel, for you being Jewish and, and expressing your Judaism required, in a certain sense, being distinctive and being uh, sub- and submitting yourself, being distinctive by wearing the kippah, submitting yourself to the rules and the regulation. It was in a certain sense, it was... Uh, um, it was, in a certain sense, uh, uh, isolating, as opposed to in Israel, it's one where you don't need to be distinctive, and you don't need to be isolated. Yet you can fully remain Jewish and Judaism, uh, fully remain Jewish and be expressed in, in the Judaism of the, of the state of Israel. Yeah, and 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 that's why perhaps the American model is not sustainable unless you're willing to submit yourself to uh, distinctive. Look, looking different by wearing the kippah, or you know, you know, I, I, or or the isolation of whether living in a community of you know, in Brooklyn, uh, and uh, and the isolation of following these the the, the the precepts and lifestyle that that isolate you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant when I said before that. Besides, for some pockets of Jews here and there, like I, I was referring specifically to like like very orthodox communities that isolate themselves and and create very strict laws of how to. Like that govern every aspect of your life, but the uh, American model. But the American model, I mean, I, I I don't really see itself as like you're not really experiencing yourself. You might be Jewish in America, you might be a Jew in America, but I don't I don't know if you're really participating in the culture or in in the history of the Jewish people. So you say, in a certain sense, that uh, the support supporting Israel um, is go- is is turning out to be to the detriment. Of the Jewish community in America, that you, in the detriment in the sense that it's it's depleting itself. It's it's in a certain sense it's not speak. It's not uh, nurturing itself by nurturing Israel, and making Israel stronger. Uh, it's it's in nurturing that model. It's in a certain sense defeating its own model. In a way, yeah. I I, I think in the past couple of. Like like whenever like supporting Israel has been a thing because it hasn't been like for the first part of American Jewish history. But okay, I, I, it's become like oh like oh we support Israel. That's part of our like modern Orthodox like or or insert like your denomination here. That's part of my Jewish identity. But come on, like okay, so I give money to friends of the IDF sometimes. But like, is that is that something substantive? Is that something meaningful? Like. If you truly believe that that's part of your identity, like why are you, why are you here? Why aren't you there? Yeah, why aren't you there? Why aren't you assuming it? Yeah. Uh, why are you on the outside of it? Yeah. And uh, and connecting yourself by writing a check. Yeah. Which is pretty cheap. Yeah. Okay, buy some a pie of pizza. Like great. Now what? Right. Just takes a little some numbers out of your bank account and transfers it yeah. there. But as far it's as very ter- abstract in, in terms of your life is concerned, it doesn't really affect. It, it. doesn't really affect. Okay, it. you visit Israel a couple of times a year, like, but like you're not actively participating in it. So now, when you are engaged in supporting Israel, uh, would you say that it's 
less about strengthening this uh, weak or needy entity that needs my support, otherwise it will, fl- it, will, it will falter, and more about my way of being a part of it. Exactly. And my way of participating in it from the distance. And sh- Yeah, it, it's my way of shaping its, like how am I gonna shape its future, yeah. And my being a part of it. Of the story. From yeah. the distance, for now. Yeah. And do you find amongst your peers on campus or or, or, or or what you've observed as far as support of Israel is concerned, which one of the two is it, generally speaking? So I have some very close friends that we relate to, not a lot, but like a couple of close friends that we all relate in terms of the of the model of how can we participate in it and be in it. I'm not sure about the rest of campus. I, I haven't had enough conversations to make us like to make an opinion about that or say something about that you haven't had much of a conversation about uh, Israel on campus period yeah is that disturbing for you it's a little weird it's it, again like I'm about to say something a little com- but I'd prefer that Israel was, that, that campus was rapidly like anti-Israel, like they make out Brandeis University to be, and that people were were having struggles with it, and like the pro-Jewish groups were, were the pro-Israel groups were, you know, fighting students for justice in Palestine, and there's this tension, and people are discussing it, and, and these are the conversations being had as opposed to the apathetic model that that's kind of come to prevail at Brandeis in the past, from what I've heard, two or two years, two or three years. So you prefer the conflict over the apathy. Yeah. I prefer that these are discussions to be had and that that's, what our, that's what's on people's minds um, as opposed to the kind of like, all right, we all kind of agree with a more or less right-wing view of what Israel like policy should look like. Or a left-wing view. Left-wing view, I, I would say... You don't find much of a left-wing view at Brandeis? We have J Street on Brandeis. Um... I don't know how much how much influence it actually has. Like, they're not a source of... It's kind of like, oh, they're J Street. Like, most people that I've interacted with... Maybe that's, again, like, people I've interacted with. But it's it's kind of like, oh, like a right-wing, like, you know... I like BB secretly kind of thing. Really? Yeah. So you'd say the stereotype of Brandeis being a left-wing campus is untrue? Yeah, uh, in terms of Israel. In yeah, terms of in Israel. terms of Israel. In yeah, terms of in terms of Israel, one hundred percent untrue. There, there. Right now, there are no anti-Israel. There are no. Yeah, there are no anti-Israel. There's no Jewish Voice for Peace. There's no Students for Justice in Palestine. There is absolutely nothing. And you're a bit disappointed. I'm very disappointed because. <laughs> I, I have, like, my own view on, like, how, like, what pr- being pro-Israel should look like, mm-hmm. and there's no one to interact with that. There's no one, like, there's no one that I can be, like, and say, like, listen, I agree that we're oppressing Palestinians, but I also, like, I want you to see why we belong in that land as well, and how can we come to terms with the fact that we both belong in that land. There, there, there's no one that I can come over to and say those things. You know what's worse than conflict? What loneliness. Is, yeah. Loneliness is a greater tragedy than conflict. Yeah. And uh, in what you're experiencing is loneliness in that sense, loneliness in, as far as the conversation is concerned. Yeah. And, and, and in, 
in a certain sense, this goes back to our earlier conversation. This is sort of what was surprising to you. Yeah. Uh, of Brandeis is that you anticipated like this this battle this like we're gonna figure things out like it's, it's gonna be a place where conversations are taking place there's really not much going on so what about to the statement of well you know what you should make change be a leader I agree with that in many ways but I also think that that's something that we tell you need a critical mass for that to happen. I, I agree that be the change you want to see and all those cheesy things that they tell you at graduation. I believe in that. How realistic it is, is it for a student who's taking classes to foster that? I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not as idealistic as I used to be. But practically, that's very, very hard. If that's not a... It doesn't take one person to take... It takes more than one person to change a culture. Um, so do you think that what you're describing, let's call it the apathy, the indifference, uh, do you think that's something unique to Brandeis? Or would you say that it's broader than this particular campus? As of right now, I think it's unique to Brandeis in a way. Um, like I have friends at NYU that are participating in rallies and against JVP and against resolutions targeting Israel. I, I have friends that at Columbia that are, are doing the same exact thing, that are involved in, in discussion groups about Israel. That's like a topic of conversation. Um, even from my experiences with like um, like what I've seen of Yeshiva University, I think that there's these conversations. At Brandeis, they don't really take place. They don't, yeah. Wow. That's very serious because... It's uh, a serious accusation. It's not an accusation. It's your experience. It's what you're observing. You're not, a, yeah. you know, accu accusing is from the distance. Yeah. When you're uncertain about something and you accuse somebody of something that, that you suspect, that would be an accusation. What you're sharing is a description of your experience and what you're share as somebody who doesn't live in an isolated bubble, you're a social individual. You have friends. You interact. You 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 look out. You seek these opportunities, um, and they're not there. They're not there. No. Um, and I wonder if something that plays part into this is that. Brandeis is known to be like a liberal university and I think everyone gets here and it's kind of assumed that we're all on the same page and like the one or two conservatives that you'll find on campus keep their mouth shut and everyone is like more or less on the same like I like I hate Donald Trump I like Hillary Clinton page and then there, there's once the, everyone's on the same page there's nothing to really discuss so you're saying in a certain sense when people come here they've already been compartmentalized into a certain image of themselves because mm -hmm. they are here and since they're in certain, everyone is in a certain sense created in the same image but I don't say that a complimentary yeah it's everybody is is you know Stepford students yeah in a, in a sense mm -hmm. because they've they've been told that this is who they are mm -hmm. or this is the culture that this place is about and therefore People like to conform and like to fit in, and therefore 
it's just yeah once you get here you're, we're all on the same page like we all agree that <laughs> women should have the right you know to abortion or something everyone agrees it. and not recycling is awful yeah <laughs> yeah right. exactly do you recycle I try, but I'll tell you, um, I, I by mistake threw it in the wrong one, and I was like, oh, I made a mistake. And the worker is like, we all dumped them into the same <laughs> bin. So I don't feel bad about it anymore. Okay. Huh. Is there any questions you want to ask me? Yeah. I want to ask if you've observed a certain, if you think that this is like a cyclical thing that... Like, you know, there are louder years and then there are quieter years on campus from your 17, what, 17? Mm-hmm. Um, from your 17 years on campus. Do you think that the apathy is a cyclical thing or it's a new trend that you've observed? Well, cyclical would mean that it's occurred in the past and we're seeing it reoccurring again. again. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's not. It's not something we've observed in the past and we can say, oh, we saw this in 2009 or 2006 or 2012. No, we've not have seen, we've not observed observed this before. Uh, this is something. It's a new phenomenon. Um, is it a trend? It's still early to tell, but it's a phenomenon that we are we're observing as well. And uh, so it's 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 something to be really um, really concerned about. And what do you attribute it to? Why particularly now, especially in the in the age of like in, in we're in a very polarized age of politics. Like, why is campus apathetic now? Um, I think it speaks more to the individuals who are being are are are, are less internally substantive because we live they live grew come grew up in a very um, external type of engagement, a very projective type of engagement where their, their engagement is on, a, on, a, uh, on, on, on social media or new, me- or new media. They're kind of engaging in, in, in constantly in projecting, projecting what people hear of them, what people think of them, uh, what they, the photos they share, the statements they make, uh, and how it's res- being responded to. And in a certain sense, that has deteriorated um, the internal confidence or the internal strength or the internal, call it internal mental and psychological and emotional muscle uh, that has gives people the confidence and the certainty to engage with those who they disagree with, those who makes them make them uncomfortable. Be comfortable in being uncomfortable. That combined with the isolation that Brandeis is in, it's in Waltham. In other words, you don't in- engage with the world when I say engage, I mean in, in, in the physical sense, where you don't encounter anything outside of that particular bubble. So it's almost like, you know, somebody who just eats junk and doesn't exercise. Uh, your muscle gets weak. And in a certain sense, that that's, seems to be what's happening over here. Um, and, and, you know, this is something that we're trying to, we're trying to, to address uh, because it's 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 disturbing. It's unfortunate, and it's uh, it's dangerous. Can I ask you how you plan on addressing that? Well, for one, this podcast. Okay. This podcast is the idea, the idea behind this podcast is to bring conversations, ideas, thoughts uh, with people to uh, to the fore. Uh, substantive conversations. 
conversations that uh, you think that, that people are thinking about in the recesses of their mind, but are not speaking about it. And this is an opportunity to bring voice to it. Um, this is just one example. Another example is is to be to speak to students in a more um, direct uh, manner, in a more more demanding manner, more engaging manner, and not so much being sort of uh, uh, coddling or you know making making sure that everybody is is comfortable and happy and smiley and uh, positive experiences and all of that. It, it's uh, it's a form of enabling. Of a uh, of a weakening of the I call it the, the, the internal muscle and you know, I believe that that Judaism provides that resistance that develops that muscle you know what you spoke to earlier in the fact that you know if Judaism disappeared I'd I'd, I'd lose that struggle that that in, that, in, that 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 intensity that intensity is what builds muscle and, and I use the, the example of muscles when you go to the gym you only build muscle with, through resistance. If you pick up a pencil 500 times, you won't build any muscle. You got to pick up weights, and if once those ga- ga- weights become, you know, simple for you, got to raise it up, raise it up, raise it up with that resistance. And we are, we live in a time now, whether it's at Brandeis or beyond. I don't know beyond because I don't live in the beyond. We are afraid of resistance, internal resistance. We're afraid of discomfort, um, and um, so we want to create some more of that in a. You know, in a healthy way, in a positive way, but one where we speak, and that—that that, that was actually the the impetus to our developing the Chabad Club. The Chabad Club, we're basically telling students that, you know, do something, invest in your Judaism, because that's the only value that you will get, in a sense. Only is a little harsh of word, but you know, it's what you make of what you put into it, and in return for nothing, we're not going to pay you a stipend. Um, we're not going to give you any prizes. Uh, we will bring you together as a community on a certain occasion, certain special events, and we will recognize that you are making this investment. But we're going to speak a language, and that's what I'm. We try. We want to. We want to create a new language, a language of, of investment, a language of responsibility, of accountability, and a language of being open and authentic, and uh, speak. Be. be People, bringing people together, well, bringing people together is too big of a word. Let's not even start with bringing people together. Let's just bring it. To, let's just bring it out. And uh, I appreciate you, you know, coming and, and being part of this conversation. Um, I don't know where it's going to go, what's going to happen to it, but um, you know, yeah, for sure. Pleasure was mine. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of A New Conversation with Hani and Peretz. And remember, visit us at anewconvo.com to see how the conversation evolves and continues. Have a great day.